0: Girls Code, a podcast all about the tech industry, software development, and being a woman in tech.
1: I'm your host, Lola. And I'm your host, Autie. Today, we're going to explain a topic that we both found a bit intimidating when we first started learning about technology, and that is software infrastructure. And if you're like, whoa, 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 this episode might go over my head. Don't tune out yet. We promise that it's not as confusing and complicated as you might think, and we will be there to step you through it.
0: Although I'm not going to lie, it is a bit confusing and complicated, but hopefully we're going to simplify it a little bit and break down these concepts for you guys. Because it's good for developers to understand the infrastructure that their applications are built upon in order to help build even better software. But firstly, as always, let's start with a bit of gratitude and get into our zen state. So, Autie, what are you grateful for this week? I thought long and hard about this, and I
1: wanted to do something different from what I've done so far, and I thought about what's happened this week, and I've decided what I am grateful for is desserts that each use a different part of an egg. Ooh. So recently, I made creme brulee for the first time, made it for Mother's Day for my mum, and we'd, you know, separated the eggs... Whites from the egg yolks, because you only use the egg yolks. And then I had this bowl of egg whites. And I was like, crap, like, what do I do with all these egg whites? I don't want to throw them away. Like, we're in an egg shortage. Like, eggs are hard to come by. They're a hot commodity. They are a hot commodity. And then I was like, oh, obviously, I'll make meringue. And so then it was a win-win, because I got to have custard for dessert one day and then I've had meringues to snack on since then and it's just been like and I was just like wow I'm just so glad that these two desserts exist they're so complementary to each other
0: one uses the yolk one uses the egg white no food wastage here very efficient I like it yeah I'm a big fan I've also done something similar before when I've made like carbonara with the egg yolk and then I've made meringues with the egg white and I was like perfect
1: see that's smart because you've got a whole meal there like you've got the main And the dessert. I like that. Moving on from desserts, what are you grateful for?
0: Well, unlike you, Orti, I actually haven't thought long and hard this week about what I'm grateful for. But one thing does immediately spring to mind, and that is cat videos. Yes, I'm a fan already. I just love cat videos. I have curated my social media feeds to be like basically kittens, cats, cats yelling, orange cats going crazy... Like, just a few of my niche interests.
1: My favourite is when people do, like, that funny voiceover on TikTok and they're, like, narrating
0: the cat's life or oh. something. And, and It's like, like Morgan Freeman, like, but it's the cat.
1: <laughs> and you're just like, this is true. This is what the cat would be thinking. Yeah.
0: Oh, it's so funny. But, yeah, I just love watching videos of cats. I really badly want to get my own cat, but I keep on getting told that I'm not at the right stage in my life, and that is totally true. But also, I just want a cuddly kitten to cuddle at night. You could always foster kittens. I know, I really want to do that. Thank Except you. my flat
1: doesn't allow pets. Oh, well, that is an issue. And I was going to also say that quite often, everyone and I know that, like, fosters kittens has a habit of failing to foster, which oh, means... Yeah. Foster fail. Yeah, you just adopt the cat. That's what happens. I would do that, and I would just become a crazy cat lady. Eh, there's nothing wrong with that. No, that <laughs> that's my goal. And moving on from Lola's fantastic life goal of being a
0: crazy cat lady. Indeed. Let's get into today's episode. Today, we will start off by explaining what exactly infrastructure is and what that means. We'll then talk about some commonly used infrastructure and the different types of infrastructure, including what on earth the cloud is. We'll finish off by touching on what the trendy term infrastructure as code means
1: we have got a lot to cover, so let's get started. First of all, let's explain what exactly we mean when we talk about infrastructure in the world of software. Software infrastructure is all the underlying physical and digital parts that make up a software system.
0: If we take a step back, you've probably heard the word infrastructure in the context of things like power lines or roads, you know, the things that allow a city to operate. Well, you can also think of an application, like an app on your phone or a website you use, as a city. Just like cities have infrastructure like roads, bridges, and buildings to make it functional, software also has infrastructure to help it run. Without the right infrastructure, software can't function properly.
1: If you're building an application that you want other people to be able to use, it's really useful to understand software infrastructure so you know how to design a system that works more efficiently, is more easily scaled, and is more secure.
0: So to start off with, there are three key concepts we wanna cover to explain why it's good for software developers to understand infrastructure. These concepts are performance, scalability, and security. Firstly, let's talk about performance. Performance in software refers to how fast and efficiently a program or application runs. You want apps or programs to respond quickly and smoothly without any delays or glitches. And that is where performance comes into play. Imagine you're sending a message and you hit send, but nothing happens. So you tap it a few more times, you know, just to be safe. You're spamming your phone now. And after a few seconds, it finally shows the message as sent.
1: Now you may all be way more patient than me, but I genuinely absolutely hate when this happens. Like I am the person that is like smashing the button over and over again, because it drives me crazy. It isn't a fun user experience and long delays like that show poor performance because your phone isn't responding quickly to your actions.
0: I swear a second when your phone doesn't respond is the longest second as well.
1: Yeah, like totally, like it's like, come on, do better, be
0: faster, please, thank you. I need this now. There are lots of different ways software developers can impact the performance of the applications, like using caching, which just means storing data in a temporary storage location also known as a cache, so that it can be accessed faster. But there are loads of other ways we can influence performance. Moving on
1: from performance, let's get into scalability. So scalability is the ability of a system or application to handle a growing number of users, data, or tasks without slowing down. It's like when an app first goes big and gets tons of new users. As more and more people start using the app, it needs to be able to handle all that increased demand. You can also think of scalability in terms of traffic on roads. Like where we live in Auckland, the Harbour Bridge originally only had four lanes, but as the traffic increased, they realised that wasn't enough and they scaled it up by building two
0: additional lanes each
1: way, making it eight lanes in total.
0: But even with the extra lanes, if you live in Auckland, you'll know that getting over the bridge can still be so slow sometimes. Come on, let's keep it scalable, guys.
1: Exactly. And this expansion of lanes is similar to how software needs to scale up to handle more users and data. Otherwise, it gets too slow. One way software can be scalable is by designing the system to allow adding more instances or servers to handle increased demand. And if you're like, what did you just say? I do not understand. Don't worry. We will be explaining servers shortly.
0: The final concept we want to touch on today is security. So security in software is about protecting the application or program and the data it handles from misuse. Just like you wanna keep all your stuff safe, software developers want to ensure that their programs are protected from potential threats or bad guys messing with their application or code. Since you can't put a physical lock on your software, such a shame, developers have come up with loads of ways to keep software secure. These are things like authentication, secure coding practices, and encryption, which we won't be delving into this episode, but maybe we'll do an episode on security later. So stay tuned for that.
1: Let's get into talking about the actual infrastructure
0: that's under the hood and how different components of the infrastructure work together. To start off with, let's talk about the first thing you might think of when you think about infrastructure, and that is hardware. Hardware refers to the physical parts of infrastructure, like servers, cables, storage devices, and a bunch of other things. One of the most vital pieces of hardware in software infrastructure is a server. Now, server is kind of one of those terms you might hear often, like the server is down or the server is overloaded, but you might not know what exactly it is. So let's unpack what a server is a bit more.
1: A server is just a special type of computer that is built to be reliable and powerful. It provides specific computing services or resources to users and has way more processing power, memory, and storage than a regular computer that you might have at home.
0: The main purpose of a server is to store and share data or provide services to other devices over a network like the internet. For example, when you visit a website on your computer, the information you get back is typically stored on a server.
1: Servers are often stored in a data center, which is basically a big facility with lots of servers, as well as cooling systems and backup power supplies to keep everything running smoothly.
0: And when things aren't running smoothly, the servers might go down. This could lead to things like websites not responding to you.
1: In a previous episode, we talked about how the aircon in a data center broke, and the servers overheated at our friend's company. And that meant the website that lived on those servers also went down.
0: I love how sensitive servers are. It's very relatable. Like, they're just like, "Oh, I'm too hot or, like, too cold or there's not enough air here. I'm just going to break down for a while. Honestly, that's how I feel every day. So I'm glad that me and servers, we're
1: basically the same. Like, you know, next time I try to fill out the I am not a robot thing, maybe, like, maybe I am a robot. Maybe they're just like me. You relate to the server. Yeah, we're exactly. one with the server. Exactly. Now, there are a few different kinds of servers, such as web servers, application servers and database servers. And we wanted to take some time now to talk briefly through these three different types because they are useful to know. So first up we have web servers, and these are designed to store and serve web pages and content to users over the internet. So when you try to access a website through your phone or your computer, your device will be talking to a web server and that server will store all the files that make up your website and send those files to your phone. And then bam, you can see the website. If you remember in previous episodes, we spoke about the difference between front end and back end development and the web server often, but not always, serves and runs the code for the front-end part of an application or a website.
0: Moving on from web servers, application servers provide a platform for running applications and processing more complex logic than just displaying your website. You can think of an application server as the brain behind your website or app. They receive user requests, process them, and generate dynamic content or interact with databases, which we're about to explain. Often, but not always, application servers store and run the back-end part of an application or website.
1: And finally, we have database servers. These handle the storage, retrieval and management of large amounts of data. They're like digital filing systems where you can store and retrieve information efficiently.
0: Before we move on from the wonderful world of servers, we wanted to talk through some of the different hardware components that make up a server. Firstly, we have the motherboard, which connects all the different parts of the server together.
1: We also have the CPU or central processing unit, which you can think of as the brain of the server and does most of the processing.
0: There's also the memory, also known as RAM, which temporarily stores data and instructions for the brain, aka the CPU, to access quickly.
1: And finally, we have storage devices which store data for long term use.
0: And that brings us to the end of hardware and servers. Next up, we have the operating system.
1: This is something you've probably heard of and you've definitely used before. Think of Windows, Mac OS, Android or Linux. These are all examples of operating systems and different operating systems suit different needs and requirements of the software running on them.
0: So you know that Windows and Mac OS are examples of operating systems, but what exactly does an operating system do? Well, an operating system is a layer of software that manages the hardware and it provides helpful services for software applications to interact with the hardware. Let's dig into this a bit more. The operating system is responsible for lots of important tasks like file management, connecting to the internet and the user interface that you interact with, like all of the menus, icons, and buttons.
1: You can think of an operating system as like a conductor in an orchestra. You know how the conductor stands in front of the orchestra and waves their arms to tell the musicians how to play together at the right tempo and cue people when they're needed. That's kind of what the operating system does when it directs all the different parts of the system to work together to run applications on a computer. In this metaphor, the hardware and software are the musicians, the operating system is the conductor, and the computer is the orchestra. For a bit more of a concrete technical example, let's talk about your phone. On your phone, the operating system provides basic functions like handling the touch screen, managing memory, and controlling the device's resources. It tells the apps on your phone, oh yeah, you can use this much of the phone's memory,
0: or tells your touch screen like, hey, it's your cue to do something. Now that we know what servers are and the operating systems that run on them, let's chat about a new concept called middleware. Middleware is software that acts as a helpful middle layer between the operating system and the software application that runs on it, or even as a middle layer between two different software applications. You can think of it like a cheeseburger. The hardware is like the bottom bun. The next layer, which is maybe a beef patty, is the operating system. The third layer is my favorite layer, the cheese, which represents the middleware. And finally, the top bun, is all the software and apps you use on your device.
1: Um, Lola, I just want to point out you didn't put anything about like any lettuce that you might want to have. Maybe I want some Big Mac sauce, like no pickles. Where are the pickles? It's not a very exciting burger, I'm not going to lie. Like it's literally just... Burger, what is it? Beef and cheeseburger. That being said, sometimes you can't go wrong with beef and cheese. But (laughs) even pickles, pickles would be good. Pickles and the lack of sauce are the things that I am like unsure about here.
0: You know what I'm really unsure about though? Like what order you put things on on a burger. I think about this every time I make burgers and I'm like, does the cheese go on top of the meat or should I put it on the bun or should I? I don't know.
1: That is a really good question that I have never really thought of. Um, I think the only solution is to put a piece of cheese below and above the patty.
0: That's a really good idea, double cheese, double cheeseburger, okay. Well, now that we've gotten to the bottom of that,
1: let's go back to our phone example to understand a bit more about middleware. In your phone, the middleware provides services and tools that make it easier for apps on your phone to communicate with the operating system and also with each other to access shared resources. For example, let's say you've made a beautiful photo edit on your Lightroom app. You want to send it to your social media app. The middleware is what lets the apps exchange the photo data seamlessly, making
0: sure it's transformed and transmitted correctly between the two apps. Middleware provides a standardized way for the different parts of software and a system to interact, ensuring they can work together smoothly without each application having to know the intricacies of the others. This can be done using specialized software that has been created to make it easier for software programs to work together or using a thing called an API.
1: An API or Application Programming Interface is just a set of rules to enable communication. You can think of them like messengers that allow websites and services to talk to each other and share information.
0: If you're still a bit confused about what APIs are, don't worry, we've got you. We're going to go back to talking about cheeseburgers. Let's say you're at a burger restaurant. You want to order a cheeseburger, but you don't need to know how the food is prepared in the kitchen or how the ingredients are sourced. You don't care if it's ethical or not, you just want your damn cheeseburger. (laughs) You simply look at the menu, tell the waiter what you want, and then the waiter brings you your delicious burger. Well, an API is just like the menu. It's a set of rules and options that allow you to communicate your dinner choice to the waiter at the restaurant, just as different software applications use APIs to communicate and interact with each other.
1: Before we move on and now that we're all craving burgers, let's briefly talk about the difference between the operating system and the middleware, just to make sure we can wrap our heads around it. The operating system works to ensure the computer hardware and basic software services are running smoothly. The middleware on the other hand, provides specialized tools and services to support the development and execution of specific types of applications. To give you an example of how they work together, let's say you want to play a video game on your computer. The operating system makes sure your computer has enough resources like memory and processing power to run the game smoothly. It'll also provide the buttons and menus that you use to start and play the game. In this case, the middleware might be a special program that helps the game talk to your computer's hardware. It ensures the game can use the computer's graphics card, sound system, and other resources effectively.
0: And onto our final piece of infrastructure that we wanna talk about today, and that is application components. Applications, like the Spotify application on your laptop or phone, can be made up of different software components where each of these components their own program and provide different functionality for the application
1: for example let's say we have a website dedicated to getting hyped over Greta Gerwig's amazing upcoming Barbie movie starring Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling I'm so excited I mean who isn't and on this website you sell the various spectacular Barbie posters that they have available You might have one component just to manage the different posters that are available, another one to manage someone's shopping cart, and then another one to manage the payments and so on.
0: I would love to be part of the software project, let's do it. (laughs) Each of these components can be their own software program and form their own part of the software infrastructure. This can also vary a lot depending on your application. So you might just have one program that does everything, or you might have lots of different programs to handle different responsibilities.
1: Another layer of infrastructure that we haven't spoken about today is networks. These are all about how different devices talk to each other and are important to know but require a lot more depth than we can go into today.
0: No one wants an hour-long episode of Hot Girls Code, so we won't put you through that.
1: Definitely. I think all our brains would feel far too full and then they would really hurt. So today we'll be skipping over that, but if you are keen to learn about them, then tune into an episode we have coming in a few weeks all about how the internet works, because understanding networks is essential to understanding the internet. So far, we've covered lots of different layers of infrastructure, like servers, the operating system, middleware, and application components.
0: Now, let's go over how all of these parts work together. Now, I'm still feeling pretty peckish, so let's go back to our cheeseburger example. We've got the hardware, which provides the processing power and storage needed to run the software. This is the bottom bun. Then we've got the operating system, which manages the hardware and provides a platform for the application components to run on, just like the beef and the burger. Next, we have the cheese, which is the middleware layer that provides services like authentication or exchanging data between apps. And finally, our top bun is like the application components that run the actual apps you want to use on your device.
1: Now that we know about all the different parts of software infrastructure, let's talk about how these different parts exist in the real world and explore the different types that you can have. There are three main categories that infrastructure falls under physical infrastructure, digital infrastructure, and cloud-based infrastructure. Let's first chat about physical infrastructure. This is your tangible stuff like servers, storage devices, data centers, and networking equipment. Physical infrastructure can be owned and managed by an organization, or it can be released from a third-party provider Just to clarify something quickly, when we say managing infrastructure, what we mean is whoever is managing it is making sure it's safe and secure, but also they're the ones doing the work to set up new infrastructure, scale up if you need to, configure and update it, and basically doing whatever is needed to keep it running smoothly.
0: For example, a company might have its own data centre where it houses its own servers and storage devices. Or, alternatively, the company might lease space in a third-party data centre to host its infrastructure. One thing to note here is that physical infrastructure requires regular maintenance and manual management to ensure it operates efficiently and effectively. Next up, we have digital infrastructure. Digital infrastructure is more of the intangible parts of infrastructure, like software applications, databases and operating systems. For example, a company might use a database management system to store and manage its data. Makes sense, right? And similar to physical infrastructure, digital infrastructure also requires regular updates and maintenance to ensure it remains secure and reliable but typically it's less expensive to carry out this maintenance compared to you know, physical, real-world infrastructure. One big drawback, however, of digital infrastructure
1: is that they can often be more vulnerable to cyber attacks and data breaches, so you have to make sure you keep things super secure. And finally, we have
0: cloud-based
1: infrastructure.
0: Ah, uh, yes, the cloud. I just keep thinking of that meme that's like, old man yells at cloud. That's exactly what it is. I feel like the
1: cloud is something we hear about all the time, and it can really feel like, um, so what
0: even is that? Well, the cloud is literally just digital infrastructure that is owned and operated by another company. Like when you save your
1: photos in the cloud, you're just saving them on storage servers that belong to Google or Apple or whoever you use, rather than on the physical memory storage on your phone. It is their job to make sure they keep the servers safe and manage anything that is needed to keep them functional.
0: And this is similar to how it works with software infrastructure. Rather than using your own physical and digital infrastructure, you pay to use another company's and they take care of making sure nothing breaks and all of that management stuff we spoke about earlier. For example, a company might use a cloud-based storage device to store its data or it might use a cloud-based server to host its software applications. Or it might do both. Ooh,
1: exciting. Three popular providers of cloud infrastructure are Amazon Web Services, often called AWS, Microsoft Azure, and Google Cloud Platform, sometimes referred to as GCP. Cloud-based infrastructure is typically more flexible and cost-effective than digital or physical infrastructure it allows organizations to scale their infrastructure up or down as needed.
0: Like say you needed more servers because you got so many more users. It's a lot easier to use more of the already existing cloud-based servers that AWS can provide for you rather than having to source your own. It also often provides greater security and reliability than physical or digital infrastructure.
1: And there you have the three types of infrastructure. Physical, digital, and cloud-based. Each type of infrastructure has its upsides and its downsides. For example, physical infrastructure can provide better performance, customization, and control compared to digital and cloud-based infrastructure, but it can be expensive and difficult to
0: maintain. Not to mention it can require a lot of physical space. Both digital and cloud-based infrastructure are easier and more flexible compared to physical infrastructure, but they may not provide as much control or customization in comparison. And finally, cloud-based infrastructure provides scalability and flexibility, but can be more expensive than digital infrastructure and may have limitations on customization that come from the cloud provider. Most teams will explore all three options and decide what works best for their application and suits their needs the best.
1: All right, now that we know what infrastructure is, we know about the different layers of infrastructure, we know about the different types of infrastructure. Before we finish up, we wanted to talk about one last piece of jargon you might hear around the industry, and that is known as infrastructure as code, sometimes also referred to
0: as IAC. When I first heard the term infrastructure as code, I was so confused. I was like, what does this mean? Because like I had this idea of what infrastructure was, and I knew what code was. And I was like, how does this work together? It sounded like a really abstract idea. But like with most software jargon, it's actually pretty straightforward once someone breaks it down and explains it to you.
1: basically. Back in the day, most infrastructure was managed manually by system administrators. If something needed to be set up or something needed to change, then go to each individual server and make those changes. Like cloud infrastructure. If you wanted a server on the cloud with a certain amount of storage, you'd go into the interface, select that server, and then type in like, I wanna set this to have 10 gigabytes of storage.
0: But the issue with this is if you wanted to do a bunch of changes to all your servers at once, you'd have to manually go through every single one and make the change once at a time. And obviously that can be time consuming. It can also increase the risk of human error and think about what happens when you have thousands of servers. It's not very scalable.
1: That is where infrastructure as code comes in. With IAC, instead of manually managing your infrastructure, you do this through code, using declarative or imperative code, which
0: specify how you want your infrastructure of resources to look like. For example, with declarative code, you could say, give me a server with 10 gigabytes of storage, or even give me 500 servers with 10 gigabytes of storage and then the system would determine the best way to get to that end result of 500 servers with 10 gigabytes of storage, and the system would execute that.
1: Imperative code, on the other hand, would involve you specifying the steps required to configure and manage the servers. Like, your code would say, step one, create a server. Step two, give it 10
0: gigabytes of storage. Step three, copy it 500 times. With either approach, managing infrastructure through code means it is more efficient and reliable since there's a smaller risk of human error. And because we use code, we're able to use our old pal version control to help with making it even safer. And we can have tests that the system can run so that we know that the change does exactly what we want it to do. Not only that, it also means we're able to scale more
1: efficiently since it's easier to add or remove parts of our infrastructure as needed. So in summary, IAC is a super neat way of managing infrastructure and allows us to easily create and manage infrastructure in a
0: scalable and reliable way. That brings us to the end of today's episode. Today, we have covered the basics of software infrastructure. We explained common infrastructure like servers, the operating system, middleware, and application components. We also talked about the different categories of infrastructure physical, digital and cloud-based. Finally, we finished off with a wee chat about infrastructure as code.
1: Our next episode is a very exciting one. We're going to be talking all about software salaries, the gender pay gap and
0: how to negotiate the salary you deserve. Ooh, sounds juicy. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave a rating and subscribe to Hot Girls Code wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram and TikTok under at hot underscore girls underscore code to keep up to date with the podcast and learn more about the tech industry, software development, and being a woman in tech. Thanks for listening.